Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Jerusalem Unplugged, the only podcast dedicated to Jerusalem, its history, and its people. Your host, Roberto Mazza, will bring you guests discussing their relationship with the Holy City. A journey through history, society, feelings, and hopes for the future. Follow the podcast on all social media platforms at Jerusalem Unplugged. Welcome to Jerusalem Unplugged, a podcast dedicated to Jerusalem, its history, and its people. I'm your host, Roberto Mazza, and today, in order to discuss the current events in Jerusalem, my guest is Bedros Dermatosian. Bedros is a good friend and a good friend of a podcast, born and raised in Jerusalem. He's currently a professor of modern Middle Eastern history at University of Nebraska-Lincoln. I'm just going to mention here a couple of publications because they're important. He edited a book, Denial of Genocides, in the 21st century, published in 2023. And he also is the uh, co-author, co-editor of the Routledge Handbook on Jerusalem. Or if you're interested, you can certainly find plenty of historical information from the early Jerusalem up to the contemporary time. So today we're going to talk about what's going on in Jerusalem following the uh, outbreak of the war in Gaza and see and discuss the question of the settlers violence against the Armenian community in the old city of Jerusalem. But before we're going to discuss all of this and the situation of the Armenian quarter, first things first, Bedros, welcome. Thank you, Roberto, for hosting me again. Now, as I said in the introduction, this is an important episode because we're going to talk about uh, current events. And actually, we're going to unpack what's happening specifically in Jerusalem and in the Armenian quarter. But before we discuss that, I really want to ask for the benefit of those listeners that may not be uh, very familiar with the history of the Armenian quarter in Jerusalem, if you can tell us a little bit about the history of the quarter and also about the history of the Armenians in Jerusalem and Palestine. Uh, The Armenian presence in Jerusalem goes back to the 4th century with the discovery of the holy places by Queen Helena, mother of Constantine I. And the pilgrimage pilgrimage began from historic Armenia to 
Palestine to visit the holy sites. And with these pilgrims eventually started a presence in the, in the quarter. Uh, and by the seventh century, Armenians had a bishop in the Armenian quarter and eventually uh, thereon a patriarchate was uh, established in the, uh, in the medieval period. And so the presence goes back to 1500 years. The uh, name of the cathedral is St. James Cathedral, referring to the two Jameses, James the Lesser and the other one, the brother of Jesus. And the uh, Armenian quarter uh, is a historic part of the old city of Jerusalem. It constitutes one-sixth of the old city of Jerusalem. And it had its own indigenous population of Armenians who lived there for centuries. And you had the Armenian cathedral with its priest and the community. And these communities were, uh, their first language was Arabic, but they were Armenians and connected to the uh, Armenian patriarchate and lord living in the Armenian culture. The demographic, uh, demographic uh, picture changed as a result of World War I. And, uh, and Roberto, you wrote a book about World War I and Palestine too. And with the arrival of the Armenian refugees as a result of the Armenian genocide, the demographic uh, picture changed within the Armenian quarter, and now the locals became a minority and the new arrivals became the majority. The locals were called uh, Kaakatsis as, uh, as uh, you know, as, as locals, and the new arrivals were called as the visitors, Zawar in Arabic, Zawar. And uh, to that extent, the, there was a culture kind of a clash between them because the army, local Armenians were uh, their first language was Arabic, and those who came from the Ottoman Empire, specifically from Cilicia, such, such cities as Marash, uh, Antep, and many other places, were Turkish speakers. And they did not know, they did not know any, any Arabic, and their customs were much more belonged to the Armenian provinces in the Ottoman Empire. So the Armenian Patriarchate played a dominant role in saving the Armenians of, from the ashes of genocide. And eventually those who arrived in the quarter were eventually were embraced by the local people, local Armenians, and the modern Armenian community was formed in the interwar period. And Armenians, uh, 1947, prior to the uh, repatriation of Armenians to, uh, uh, to Armenia per se, about thousands of people, number of the uh, Armenians in Palestine was between 15,000 to 20,000. We're talking about cities such as Haifa, Yaffa, Gaza even, and the uh, Armenian Armenian, Armenian quarter of Jerusalem, but also the Armenian Catholic, around the Armenian Catholic convent in the Muslim quarter of Jerusalem. So Armenians lived all around these places and eventually with the develop, with the improvement of Armenian economic the status you have a you have a small section of Armenians who moved to the new city of Jerusalem, uh, Talbiye, Bakha, and other places, and represented the bourgeoisie of the Palestinian society, along with the Arab or Arab Orthodox, along with the Muslim bourgeoisies, Palestinian Muslim bourgeoisies, along with the Catholic Arabs and many others. And of course, interwar period represents uh, the uh, the improvement of the Armenian condition, the advancement of Armenian economic status, etc. But then 1948, the Nakba becomes a major blow to the Armenians. 
they lose their, their homes and thousands of them are poor into the Armenian quarter and Armenian quarter defends itself from the uh, from the Zionist attacks and the uh, and uh, around 44 Armenians were killed and one of them is Hagop Dermatosian, my great uncle, as a result of Haganah shelling. He was killed in the Christian quarter, uh, closing his shop there. He was a jeweler. And to that extent, this was a major blow to the Armenians, and thousands of them left Palestine to other countries. And thousands of them became refugees once more. Uh, you see refugees uh, as a result of the Armenian genocide, and this is the second round of being refugee in 1948 war. Uh, under Jordanian rule, the Armenian community also kind of was stable, I should say. And in 1967, during the uh, uh, during the war in Tanaksa, again they received another blow now, and that also led to the uh, decline of the Armenian community. And towards the end, the first Intifada and the second Intifada, to that extent, also had an, uh, an impact on the Armenians of uh, Jerusalem, as many were involved in tourism, with uh, shops, with etc. And then it was a, you know, it was a major impact on tourism. Many of them, many of them have left to Canada, United States and Australia. So this is kind of the brief history of the uh, Armenian presence in the Armenian quarter of Jerusalem. Uh, Armenians consider Armenian quarter of Jerusalem as a homeland. Uh, there is no, they don't refer to Armenians in Jerusalem, they refer to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Ar Armenian Jerusalem, actually, Armenian Jerusalem, because of the historic presence of Armenians in Jerusalem, because of the historic connection of Armenians to Jerusalem, and within the collective memory of Armenians, Armenian Jerusalem does not constitute a diaspora. It, as in, it, within itself, is a, is a small country that Armenians belong to, and such a thing does not exist in any other place outside uh, Armenia, historic Armenia. The Armenian quarter is extremely important with its important cultural heritage. It's the place that you have historic buildings, historic churches. You have the largest manuscript collection outside Armenia. You have the largest library outside Armenia. And you have the largest museum of Armenian history outside Armenia. So to that is in itself every inch from this quarter counts and every inch is protected by the Armenian Patriarchate and the Armenian community of Jerusalem. That's why any deal, land deal within this quarter is is, is mounting to losing the Armenian uh, uh, identity. The, it threatens the Armenian existence within the old city of Jerusalem and every Armenian now within Jerusalem and in the diaspora thinks and for, for, uh, for a fact, actually, that Armenians are under existential threat, and we're going, I'm going to discuss that in a, in a few minutes. Because you mentioned that Armenians in Jerusalem are not really part of the Armenian diaspora, I was wondering if you can briefly tell us a little bit more about the relationship between Armenians in Jerusalem, Palestine, even those currently living in Israel, their relationship with Armenia and, you know, vice versa, what is the relationship of the Armenians vis-a-vis -vis, uh, the people living in this unique non-diaspora environment? Armenian, of course, the Armenians of Palestine and Israel is a different case, uh, Roberto. You have Armenians living in Jaffa and Haifa and uh, Ramallah and Bethlehem and other places. 
But the Armenians are of Jerusalem have a unique identity. So Jerusalemite are Armenian identity, and their relationship is cordial with the uh, with the Republic of Armenia. As a matter of fact, many of the spouses of the Armenian uh, Armenians come from Armenia. Actually, are from Armenia, due to the fact that the uh, community is community is very uh, very small. And uh, as a matter of fact, it, in the past, during the Jordanian period and even during the British period, uh, Armenians used to get married from Armenians from Lebanon, Syria, and other places. But due to the war and due to the uh, disconnection of the uh, of the uh, you know of the relationship, they started looking elsewhere, kind of because the community is very small. I mean, you don't have m m much options. And to that extent, there is a strong relationship between relations between the Armenian quarter and the Armenian uh, uh, Armenian and Armenia per se. You know, uh, there are direct flights from Tel Aviv to Yerevan, and they fly there all the time uh, to support Armenia, to stay in Armenia, and they have houses in Armenia and businesses. So this is an extremely important aspect for for understanding. It's kind of, maybe the idea of double homeland would be applicable here too. So let's move to the current situation. How are Armenians in Jerusalem, in Palestine, in Israel, to your knowledge, experiencing the current war in Gaza? Of course, the current war is taking a toll on everyone, on everyone within the Armenian quarter of Jerusalem. Uh, Armenians live in East Jerusalem. They are part and parcel of the Palestinian fabric, I should say. And anything that happens to Palestinians also affect directly the Armenians. But many Armenians were also sh shocked by the massacres that Hamas perpetrated. So we should condemn that. And of course, the disproportionate, disproportionate answer of the, of the Israeli military, of the IDF, which led to the killing of thousands of children, crimes against humanity or war crimes are being perpetrated, as we're talking now, is also should be, it has also shocked Armenians, you know, uh, dramatically. Most Armenians uh, are not, many Armenians are not fluent in English, in Hebrew, actually. They watch Al Jazeera and other Arabic newspapers, read Arabic newspapers and watch Arab, Arabic channels, and hence that's also affects on them uh, dramatically. But to that extent, uh, Armenians have always tried to keep a balance uh, between the uh, within the political sphere. There, their stance is mainly the stance of the Christian churches that they take the uh, Latin Patriarchate, the uh, Latin Patriarchate, the uh, Greek Patriarchate, and the Armenian Patriarchate. The joint uh, statements are released in when it comes to political issues dealing with the conflict. Everyone wants peace. Everyone wants ceasefire in order to come out from this nightmare. So it is affecting everyone. It's affecting any, everyone who is involved in tourism, who's involved in, uh, you know, there is a lot of uh, uh, extremism now due, due to the war, uh, settler extremism that Armenians are feeling. They're being harassed, discriminated by settlers within the Jewish quarter. So to that extent, their radicalization as a result of the war, they're radicals actually, but more radicalization as a result of the war is also affecting the Armenian physical, I should say, physical security and physical presence within the Armenian culture of Jerusalem.
So let's go to the Armenian quarter and the ongoing destructions within what we call in English the Cow's Garden. Can you tell us more about the context that brought to the, the brought the situation to this point? So the Cow's Garden is a historic lot uh, where cows were, were, were kept historically to provide dairy for the Armenian uh, patriarchate and the seminary and the priests. And that was a large uh, area where it belonged to the Armenian quarters, the Armenian patriarchate. And in the 1970s, the new seminary was built on the, on, on the western side of the Cow's Garden. And, all the, uh, and the new seminary uh, uh, was built and the other portion remained empty. And I remember as a kid, I used to play there with my friends. It's a large portion of, uh, of, uh, of earth, I should say, uh, unused land. And even I once I fell on my head and uh, you know hit my head to the floor to the ground and bleed. So I bled there. So I have pulled my blood, I should say, on the cow's garden. And the uh, the uh, for for decades that that has that that land has been vacant. And eventually, the Armenian patriarchate decided to turn it into a parking spot for the Armenian community of Jerusalem, which is very handy. It was a blessing, I should say. Because parking in Jerusalem, as you know, Roberto, is a very difficult thing. And this was, this made sense because the Armenian quarter is close to the parking spot. And eventually, a few years ago, a new re real estate director was appointed uh, to the Armenian Patriarchate, uh, a very unpopular person, I should say. Even prior to that, he was the dean of the seminary and uh, the seminarians were, uh, were uh, angry at him of his treatment. He, he has to left. Yeah, he left actually the Armenian culture and left to the United States and then returned back actually when the new patriarch was appointed. And he was appointed as a real estate director. The most sensitive position within the Armenian patriarchate is the real estate director because you're dealing with the contentious city where every deal you make, you should take into consideration the political atmosphere within the region. And this real estate director convinced the patriarch that it would be a good deal to lease the land to the uh, to a new developer, Daniel Rothman from Australia, a Jewish developer. And uh, the idea was at the beginning was to make a parking for the municipality. And then we suddenly heard that a hotel is going to be built there, etc., etc. Now, I want to emphasize the point that the religion or the ethnicity of the developer is not the point here. The point here is that that lot is a historic land that belongs to the Armenian nation, to the Armenian community and the Armenian patriarchate. And it shouldn't have been leased. It shouldn't have been uh, given to anyone, whether you are a Buddhist, whether you came from China or from Indonesia, I don't care. That's an Armenian property and it belongs to the historic Armenian presence within the uh, Armenian, Armenian land. But given the fact that that land has been always kind of under the eyes of the Jewish quarter or the, uh, or the, uh, uh, or the settler movement, Ateret Kohanim or Gushimunim, etc., 
So there was always the fear that what if, what if there are other people behind these deals that were the patriarchate is not, is not aware of. So in eventually within, uh, in, in March, in March, this real estate director was defrocked from his position as a result of the various things. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So, uh... One thing we have to also understand, Roberto, is that the Brotherhood was against the deal. When the deal was signed, 17 members of the Brotherhood sent a letter of protest to the Patriarch and the, and, and the real estate director saying that they're against the deal and that, that, that a portion of land is an important portion, important part and parcel of the Armenian culture and shouldn't be leased. Second thing, they said that this deal was unconstitutional. Because according to the constitution of the St. James Brotherhood, every deal as such needs to take, needs to have the, the consensus and the ratification of the Holy Synod. And to that extent, neither of them were, uh, were consulted in the deal. Eventually, the patriarch realizes that there are some things, uh, uh, some aspects of the contract is wrong. And there are things that are fishy within the contract. And the Patriarchate now uh, hires a lawyer from Tel Aviv to go over the contract again and see what aspects are, have been, he, he have been misled by the real estate director. And now, based on that decision, based on the recommendations of the new lawyer, they cancel the uh, contract. So... Along 
all this period for two years or one year or two years, the Armenian community day and night have been protesting about the deal and they wanted the cancellation of the deal. But there are also new changes happening within the Armenian Patriarchy as you have two new bishops being ordained in Armenia, which raises a lot of portfolio there too, because the Armenian Patriarchy had only one bishop actually. And you know, in church history, bishops have power too. So eventually the Armenian community also, as I said, also protested. Uh, they held meetings on every Friday trying to uh, uncover and understand the dimensions of this contract. But when the Patriarchate cancels the letter, immediately the Daniel Rothman comes from Australia, try to understand what's happening. The day that he comes, a group of settlers come with him and and with guns in their hands, with rifles and dogs, trying to assault the Armenians who were protecting the Armenian section of the Cow's Garden, which is a parking lot. In addition to this, a bulldozer comes and starts destroying the wall of the uh, Armenian seminary, a violation without having the permit to do so, and it's the sheer by using sheer force. So when the Armenians realize that settlers are here, they start thinking that maybe this is something beyond what it is, it's something bigger than what it is. Because settler movement is very strong within the old city of Jerusalem. They want to occupy every small section within the old city of Jerusalem. From the larger perspective, such deal should not have happened because Jerusalem, East Jerusalem is an occupied territory and you cannot make deals on an occupied territory and give it to anybody or any entity, regardless of who the person is. So, settlers come with rifles and sit there for hours and hours and they wouldn't move. Kind of the, what they do in Sheikh Jarrah and other places, uh, establish a post and start expanding. The police comes, the old city police, the Krishla police, you know, and instead of arresting the settlers for transgressing and trespassing, trespassing private property, they stand with them and threaten the Armenians that they're going to be arrested. After a few days, the police comes on daily basis, threatening Armenians, and even they arrest five Armenians and take them to the Armenian, to the, uh, to the police station. And uh, five of those, I think, get uh, 15 days house arrest. So Armenians are protecting that portion of land, the youth, Armenian youth, Armenian priests, Armenian community members are protecting that part of the land 24-7 because they consider that the land, any violations or any losing or any 
deals on the land means their own destruction, that they're going to be removed from there. And this, if it becomes a settler post, etc., it means the end of the Armenian community of Jerusalem. Because it doesn't make sense to have a, 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 even a hotel where you have a seminary a few meters away. What type of hotel would be near a seminary? So currently the case is in court. The police is biased. The settler movement is there. And just to raise another important issue, that Armenians within the Armenian quarter suffer periodically from harassment and from attacks by settlers and by Orthodox Jews who pass by the Armenian quarter to go to the Wailing Wall. And these harassments vary from spitting on priests, beating Armenian youth, spraying their faces with pepper sprays, to urinating on the convent door. So these are things that have been happening for years now and years with the radicalization of the right wing governments. The police is not taking any actions, which means that the settler movement and Orthodox Jews who pass by day by there are enjoying impunity as settlers do within the West Bank and other places. Mind you that Armenians had never an issue with the secular Israelis, Israeli Jews. On the contrary, wherever the settlers come and beat or harass or spit, after a few weeks, a group of secular Jews come to the Armenian quarter to apologize for what the settlers have done. So this is the situation ongoing. And my fear is that with the radicalization of the right wing, government you have today, uh, uh, you have today uh, ministers there, Smotrich and Ben-Gvir, who are really uh, radical and uh, ultra-nationalist, religious radical, uh, who, uh, who promote Palestinophobia, actually, or Islamophobia. Uh, these are uh, kind of people within the, on the street will take uh, advantage of these and saying we have the backing of Ben Gvir and Smotrich and we can do anything. Because if you see the, the, the discourse, or if you see the conversation that was taking place when the settlers were on the Cow's Garden, the conversation was, this is our land, this whole land belongs to Israel, this is our sacred land and you don't have anything to do there. So that's the understanding of right-wing religious settlers that there is no such a thing as Armenian quarter. This is the this is the land of Israel. This is the land of of Jews and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But again, this is not the understanding of Israeli secular Jews. And I'm concerned actually. I'm concerned about the safety of the youth of the community. I'm concerned that if God forbid something happens, these settlers might start shooting left and right, and our youth might go victim at a place in which settlers enjoy impunity. And I really wanted to ask about this relationship between the settlers and the Armenian community, and you talk about it. But, but I was wondering, you know, if the uh, Armenians and the Armenian Patriarchate as an official institutions are 
reacting in some way other than just through uh, you know the legal system are there other ways in which armenians and the institutions representing the armenians are trying to first of all publicize what's happening but also try to defend themselves beyond the legal uh, arena as roberto as long as there is no law that prohibits spitting on uh, priests and on religious edifices and or you know i grew up in the muslim quarter of jerusalem between the four, fifth uh, the fourth and the fifth uh, station uh, there is the place where jesus put his hand in the fifth station fourth or fifth station and from the balcony where i grew up you know home i used to see every time they would come and spit where jesus put his hand and there are no christians there the muslims would start Condemning what's happening. I see. I see them. Uh, I see them standing there. There is no law. Armenians have complained to the Israeli government, to the Israeli police. Nothing. Nada. And articles were written in Haaretz. For example, Armenian famous singer Apo Sahakian wrote an article in Haaretz condemning as to what was happening. Nothing. We don't need apologies from secular Jews. We need rules and regulations to prohibit the happening and repetition of such things. And now there are cameras. You can't say that these were, this, this was an allegation. There are cameras that record and depict the events that are being taken, whether it's peeing on the, on the thing or whether it's spitting on the... Two years ago, I was walking with a bishop near the Armenian quarter. This religious kid came and spat on the face of the bishop. And I started fighting with him. This, this, is, this, is, this is unfair. What you're doing is, is illegal. And so well, who cares? Because they are encouraging them, I think. Their leaders are encouraging them that you can do that in order to create such an environment that Armenians are going to say, you know, we can't live here anymore and we want to leave. So creating such an environment of... of intoleration of harassment and discrimination that Armenians are going to say, well, this is difficult to live here anymore. Because what happens if the Armenians are being attacked or harassed, Armenians are answering back and they're attacking again. And now the victim, the victim becomes the victimizer here. The victim becomes the victimizer and they're arrested and taken to the police station. These are very important things, unfortunately, international community doesn't realize. I always say to my, my uh, Jewish friends or Israeli friends, I tell them, imagine if every time a rabbi goes into the Central, Central Park or uh, downtown, and every time people come and spit on him, and what would be your reaction? What would be the, inter the uh, American reaction, the CNN reaction? But here there is impunity. And Armenians are, don't want to provoke anything. They say, okay, don't take it personally, it happens. But until when? So Armenians are suffering a lot from settlers, I should say, from Orthodox Jews who pass by there. Even, again, they come and apologize, the other group, the secular groups and secular Jews, but that's not enough. We need laws and regulations to be passed by the Israeli government that says whoever spits would take two years in prison or something of that sort in order to prevent this to happen. But if there are no laws and regulations, and now 
it's gone to another 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 level which is spraying the faces of armenians with pepper pepper spray so that's that's the thing and our, you know armenians are always concerned because these settlers come carrying guns etc and you know they're concerned about the situation so now you've been very active in the last week or so whether on social media or on various media but you mentioned something very important here that the international community is i would say obviously looking somewhere else gaza but also other situations around the world whether the war in ukraine which is still ongoing and of course various uh, meetings g20 and so forth and so I, I was wondering what are your expectations do you think the international community has a role to play for the armenians in jerusalem yes i think the international community has a role to pray, uh, play in order to protect the rights and the existence of armenian community in jerusalem and the armenian quarter of jerusalem from existential threat these existential threats are not only confined to the cow's garden but it also includes harassment discrimination intolerance from the uh, settler movement and uh, orthodox jews who pass by the armenian quarter and they always every time they pass by the quarter on daily basis they harass armenians they spit on priests and etc in order to in order to create such an atmosphere that armenians were going to say we can't live in this place anymore and we have to leave this place uh, international community media has there's my, there's a, there's a bit of media attention now as to what's happening in the armenian quarter you have activists such as hagop jurnazian a 22 year, years old uh, young guy who is behind the movement, played an important role in the movement, studies uh, political science, international relations at Hebrew University, and is very active and is able to bring a lot of uh, attention. And the community now is in unison with the Patriarchate in order to protect this garden. In order, but my fear, my fear is that as 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 in other cases uh, too. Roberto, is that this will drag in the courts and at the end of the day, we'll hear a negative news from the court. I don't know to what extent the courts are uh, are uh, are uh, independent, especially with having uh, an attempt by Netanyahu on the judicial reform, etc. So my fear is for the future. My fear is for the safety of the Armenians of Jerusalem. My fear is the safety of the young people of Jerusalem who are now protecting that land 24-7 with their own lives against any potential threat, whether by settlers, whether by other entities. And, you know, so to that extent, they are continuing the fighting. And with the current, with the current, you know, uh, advancement of social media and technology, they are posting a lot of things on on Facebook and social media. You can see live images from the uh, stand 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 in there, and uh, you know anytime something happens, I immediately rush and try to see what's happening on Facebook. And we have some people taking pictures and and videos, and which is good, which is good because you can document all transgressions that are taking place. You can document what the police is saying. For example, the chief police comes and it's recorded. Uh, threatening everyone that he's going to arrest everyone and put them in prison. And so a, a community member is saying, are you going to arrest all the community members? He says, yes, 
I'm going to bring extra troops now. I'm going to arrest all the community members. Imagine, again, from the police perspective also, they're uh, becoming more radicalized given the war, and there is no toleration. There is no toleration. So I have one last question. I really want to you know, give you a floor in a sense that uh, I wanted to record this podcast focusing on current events and give the listeners the possibility to understand what's going on in the Armenian quarter, but also to sort of refocus their attentions away from Gaza because this is happening too at the same time. So is there anything that I didn't ask, but that you want to add to the conversation? I think you asked most of the question, right question. And I think uh, the question should be asked. The question I'd like, I'd, like to, I'd like you to ask is that why Armenians are important in the old city of Jerusalem. Armenians are important of the old city of Jerusalem because they're part of the historic fabric of the old city of Jerusalem. They are historical presence in Jerusalem. Their history goes back 1500 years ago. There any change within the status quo of the, of the Armenian quarter would have dire effect on the future of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. The Armenian quarter plays an important role in the political uh, future of, the, of Jerusalem. Uh, remember, with the uh, uh, with the permanent uh, with the permanent uh, resolution of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, where it was, you know, uh, the uh, uh, when uh, when uh, Ehud Barak had already given, you know, uh, assurances and he passed the red lines uh, supposedly, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it would come down also to where Armenian community would be. Uh, Armenian culture would be in the division of, in the permanent settlement of the uh, Palestinian-Israeli conflict, which uh, I see is way far away and we have put the reverse from there and now. And so. This was Bedro Dermatosian, currently Professor of Modern Middle Eastern History in the Department of History at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln and author of uh, numerous books. I just want to mention here a couple, I think very important in the current context. Is the editor of Denial of Genocides in the 21st Century, published in 2023. The Horrors of Adana, Revolution and Violence in Early 20th Century, published in 2022. And for those who are interested in Jerusalem, obviously, is one of the editor of the Routledge Handbook on Jerusalem, published in 2018. Bedros, thank you so much. Thank you, Roberto. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Jerusalem Unplugged. Thanks and I'll see you next time. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.